Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the Cynical Challenge Vodcast. The boys are all back together. Full house tonight. My name is Grayson Knudsen. Joining you from Edmonton, Alberta, Jeff Salisbury is in beautiful Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Sally, how are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Like to hear that. Jeff Paul is back after a one episode hiatus. JP, how are you in St. Albert? Things are good. Club is good. Launching programs, changing the world, you know. Yeah, one step at a time. time, Yeah, one thing at a time. JP, you guys made an announcement the other day, eh? Yeah, exciting, exciting. We're going to um, obviously our two semi-pro teams. You know, we're gonna we'll figure out they're gonna play somewhere. You know, we're committed to a U23 program. We're committed to getting players to professional levels, and we're committed to helping achieve a professional um, female uh, league, uh, female women's league, in our women's league in Canada. So yeah, yeah, we're. Things are progressing at Scottish new facility coming very soon for us. So exciting times. Love to hear that. And mm-hmm. that'll help to create the pathway for our national teams, of course. And that's going to be the main focus of this episode as we look back at uh, Canada, the men and the women as well. We'll start though with the guys. They took on Haiti in that two-legged tie to see who would reach the final eight of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. And after a, a bit of a cagey 1-0 victory away in Port-au-Prince in Haiti, Canada turned it up and they won 3-0 in Bridgeview, Illinois to win 4-0 on aggregate. Why don't we talk about the first game first? Sally, we'll start with you. Um, what did you make of that one? Obviously, again, you knew it was going to be a bit of a slog. So 1-0 was a great result on the road. Yeah, you know what? Um, if that surface had been any better, we would have beaten them even worse than we beat them in Chicago in that first leg. That first half was a hundred percent us. And, and I mean, we blew some chances throughout that game too, to, to, you know, make the gap even, even more of a chasm. Um, but, uh, you know, we came away with the win and honestly, when we came away with that, with that win and that away leg, it pretty well was over at that point. I mean, you're always a little, you know, it's, it's Canadian soccer. So like slap myself on the wrist for ever suggesting something like that, but really like, you know, we get, getting that away win that pretty well polished that tie off. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like first half was all us. And, and it was funny. Um, you could tell that Fonzie was just struggling like crazy on that really awful artificial surface at that, uh, Porto Prince stadium. Um, he just could not get a good handle on the ball. I mean, he's been playing on, on an absolute world-class surface in uh, Munich at Alliance arena there the, for the last two years. And then he comes to play on this absolute, you know, Next, next step down would have been the AstroTurf they had at Evra's place in Regina. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, yeah, they just, uh, he, he just, he just couldn't get a good handle on the ball. And there were so many opportunities he had to smoke a couple of their, a couple of guys and, and just couldn't get a good handle. And, and, and you could tell it was frustrating him, but, you know, Kyle Laren got that goal. Um, and really, I think that was actually, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, shout out to Lee Cormish, who's going to go out and buy a Kyle Laren jersey right at the end of watching this episode. But, uh, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, I think that was really actually a keeping error that allowed that to happen. I think Placide probably should have got something on that, some little piece of that that cross from Osorio. 
but he doesn't. And it might actually, you know, the, the, the artificial surface might've played against them in that, on that goal where that might've been the reason why it kind of bounced over his hands and he wasn't able to get a touch on it. And Laren was just, just basically had to side foot it in, tap it in. So, but uh, you know, second, second half of that game was a little, you know, got a little bit squeakier bum because the Haitians started to come on a bit. They, they ended up bringing on, on Dukens Nazan and, and a couple other players and that made a difference for them. But, you know, ultimately, um, they never really were in that contest with us. And boy, isn't that refreshing to say. It certainly is. JP, that goal from Laren was early on uh, within the first 20 minutes of that first half. When you're in a two-legged tie like that and you get the away goal that early, what does it do for your team? Massive energy boost for your team. Um, you've, you've got the away goal. And at this point, you just need to bet in. Um, and I think that's really what we did. You know, I have to say there, there's no point. At that. I mean, there were, they were kicking Alfonso. They were doing everything, you know, some of those players. So at that point, great, get through the match. Um, you've got your away goal. You're up 1-0. That's all you need. You, you figure that when you get it out of uh, out of Haiti into Chicago that you're you're probably going to have a great chance on a better pitch, um, not worrying about getting your bus hijacked, all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um, – I mean, it's got to feel good, you know, leaving there with a 1-0 result. So at that point, though – I think they, they, they've done well. You know, they, they've done it the way they'd want to in a way like in a very tough environment to go play in where they have all their players available um, in a place that, you know, for some of these young Canadian players there, uh, I can imagine it was a bit difficult. Um, just even thinking about, you know, the COVID situation, um, knowing what's happened to uh, Belize uh, when they were there in their bus. I mean, this has to weigh in your head because a lot of these kids, you know, as much as, you know, yeah, okay, you know, you're, you're, you're in Munich. Okay, great. But it's different going into, you know, certain areas where you've never been before, you don't know, and you're reading the headlines and you're seeing Belize buses held up, you know, by, by insurgents pretty much. So, so it has to weigh on their heads. And the fact they got that goal, I, I think that was the moment where you could relax a little bit, probably where the staff said, okay, great, we've got this now. We've got the away goal. We're up one. We can relax here. And if we get out of this the way we are right now without injury, uh, it, it's a win. And they've done it. So brilliant. And I have to say, you know, I thought, I, I thought it was going to be a much tougher tie um, than it turned out to be for Canada. I have, yep. You know, so it's okay. I, I, we're at the point now where I think we can finally, you know, exhale a little bit and, and say it's okay to believe in this team and, and, and our national program because they're good. Um, yes. They've got a great staff. They've got good players. They're two, they're two players deep almost in every position. Um, yeah. It, it's happy days for the country. Yeah, it's really nice to see, that's for sure. And like you said, I think a lot of the minds of Canadian fans were eased after that 1-0 victory because I think a lot of us figured that, you know, if we're in a good spot to win it going into Bridgeview, we shouldn't have a problem. And really that that match, there was no doubt who the better side was. It was Canada all day. And uh, they come away with a 3-0 victory in the quote-unquote home leg. Uh, to make it 4-0. JP, go back to you. What did you like about the second leg? Uh, knowing that they had that away goal, uh, forced Haiti to open things up a little bit because they needed something, and Canada was able to take advantage of a lot of uh, some of the openings, especially in the second half for those last couple of goals. For me, it was the belief of the squad. For me, it was the, um, listen, let's not, let's not apologize for who we are. Let's not apologize for taking, you know, a 1-0 result in Haiti. And, and be worried that they're going to now come back and beat us and fall apart. They, they've put the ghost of the past away. 
Um, my, my biggest takeaway is that these are young players here, a lot of them, and they're fearless. And I think this is what we can be excited by uh, as a nation. Um, that's my takeaway because we know they're good footballers. We know they've got a good team. We know John Herman's got them organized and John's staff. That, that's been evident in every game they play, even the games where they play some of the lighter teams that way. And we, we come and we have, doesn't matter. The fact is, I, I think the writing was on the wall. I think that um, we could all see, you know, as, as soccer fans, as people that follow the game, we can see that regardless of their opponent, there's a plan to play here. You know, they've got structures in place. They play in different platforms. They've got ideas what to do in their, you know, when they're in their zone one, zone two, zone three, zone four. Um, I won't get into the four zones in Canada because I've had to change my mentality because of this uh, squad. But, um, but that's, but I think now we have a belief and to see that in the players, to see them come out and say, let's not just sit back here and be happy that we're up one and, and be thankful that we're up one and try to hold this off. They went at it. That wasn't enough for them. And, um, Credit to them. I mean, really, and, and even the work that I have got to commend the work of John and his staff to get these these players believing that they're good, um, playing like they believe they're good, having a bit of swagger and a bit of a strat. And when is the last time we can say that in our national program on the men's side, that we walk in with a bit of cockiness and a bit of arrogance in our play? I mean, I love it. It's I'm 51 years old, and I'm really excited by this young group of players, and it's been a long time since I felt this way. Yeah, it's true. It's interesting couple points I want to bounce off there from what you said good shout out uh, to give Herdman a lot of credit for the belief because that's a lot of the thing that he did with the women's program was mm -hmm. we knew that they had good players we've seen it for many years building up to London and the Olympic Games but maybe it was just the belief wasn't quite there and Herdman was really big into that big into the mental side of the game and it, and it paid off in London uh, they should have done better than bronze but they'll take the third and then they did it again in Rio, which is really interesting. And then the other thing you said, too, is that there's a lot of young players who maybe are experienced in some of this. And you know what? Maybe the ghosts of the past, the naivete of youth is uh, is is really working here for Canada because, you know, they don't know about 8-1. Well, they know about it, but, you know, they didn't live through it uh, as a player. They were still teenagers and stuff. Now it's their turn, and they're writing their own chapter. Uh, Sally, I just want to get your thoughts on, on the 3-0 victory in that second leg there. Obviously, you must have felt really good probably the whole time. There was no Voyager's nervousness, I'm guessing. No, I go that far. <laughs> Believe we'll me, have like, I'm... Hard. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Well, like, you know, we're all, uh, we're all PTSD really. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think, you know, there was definitely some nervousness there at halftime. The fact that it was still nil nil at the half and what a godsend that, that just ridiculous own goal was. I really hope you can grab footage of that right now and pop it in. Yeah, I will. <laughs> because, yeah. I guess that was just, that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And it kind of, in a way, it almost kind of, to me, it, it, it almost was a bit of an anti-climax to the game, that that's how we kind of had the breakthrough in the game, that it was off such an absolute, you know, hysterical uh, own goal to, to give us that one, you know, the one nil advantage in the game. And really that, that, that was the end of Haiti at that point, that kind of polished them off. But, you know, I was hoping that we would have done it in the first half, that we could have really just just thrashed them throughout the game to really have made more, more of a statement. I was a little disappointed to be honest that we didn't make a little bit more of a statement with this game. I was really hoping that we would be able to come out and, and truly thrash them and really put to bed the, uh, the three, two loss at the gold cup. And I, ultimately I think we, we, we did that, 
but uh, you know, it was, I, I just was really hoping that we could have done it with a little bit more oomph and, and pizzazz in a way, but not to say that we didn't try Like, I don't know what the heck the shot count was at the end of the first half, but it must horribly lopsided in our favor. Cause uh, well, I mean, Jonathan David had three in a row right. that, yeah. uh, that the keeper had to stop point blank. Basically. I mean, it was a bit of a, pardon me, a bit of a tight angle and, and uh, you know, the keeper was able to literally just kind of stand there because there was nowhere that he could really place the ball at that point. Um, but uh, you know, there were, there were lots of opportunities that weren't quite finished in the first half. And, but the bottom line is, is that we were creating those opportunities and really in, in the first half of the first leg and then pretty well throughout the entire second leg, we, we really genuinely controlled every aspect of the game. It, it didn't, we didn't really look like we were going to be in, in trouble um, at that point, you know? So uh, once, once that brutal own goal went in, it was pretty well floodgates open and uh, it's a shame that we couldn't have popped a few more by them. Uh, one thing I did want to mention before I forget is um, I really think that people kind of forgot about Junior Follett because he hasn't yeah. really featured for us in a little bit right. since we had right. the emergence of, of Fonzie and, and, and uh, David and even Kyle Lahren to a degree. Um, but man, he can still bring on some real absolute quality in the attack when he's on the field, like that goal absolutely. that he's the third goal was absolutely mwah. like, it reminded me of the goal he scored against uh, Jamaica. Um, the one that he bent in uh, against Jamaica, which was beautiful. But this one, you know, he just, he, he has a real, real good quality in front of goal. And that shot I think was from the top of the box. The first one goes, it's funny when you watch the replay and hopefully you can, you can put the, uh, the replay of that goal in right now is especially the, especially the angle from behind the goal. He takes the shot and it looks like it's going in and he's not running forward to collect a potential rebound. He's running forward because he's already starting to celebrate and comes off the post and <laughs> runs right to his foot. And literally right before he starts celebrating, he just pops it in. And then, you know, the celebration yeah. happens. I, I, had to, <laughs> I had to have a really good laugh. And I was saying to the guys I was watching the game with, that, uh, you know, you got to watch this replay because like, well, that's not just, you know, finishing off the chance. He, he thinks it's already going in. He's already starting to run off to, to go celebrate and realizes it's come off the post and has to actually finish it. So, you know, that was, that was a pretty good laugh at that point. We were so nice and relaxed and yeah. suddenly the bottle of bourbon came out and there were some shots happening and <laughs> there we were. So, yeah, Very no, it, that's a good show with uh, junior Hoylet. I think it's a, an attacking option that, a lot of people kind of forget, like you said, because, you know, David's such an exciting prospect up front. Kyle Lahren's resurgence with the national team uh, has really taken a forefront too. And even Lucas Cavallini uh, has got a couple goals in the last camp there. So lots of options up front. Um, I just want to go back to that own goal. I don't want to harp on the poor kid. Montreal born, playing for Haiti. Uh, so I don't know, maybe there's some kind of like secret agent there. But I'm not sure <laughs> I've seen a worse own goal from the keeper specifically because he misses it once and then yeah. in a panic tries to kick it and just touches it with his opposite foot and it takes it out of kicking mm -hmm. range and rolls it into the net i'm not sure i've seen worse but i felt so bad for the kid but at the same time like you said it was the first goal of the match and it was the one that really were like yes okay two nil for us 
we should be good. And I'm glad that we scored two goals later that were, were nice goals as well to be like, okay, yeah. it's not going to be all about that goal. But have you guys seen a worse own goal than that one? Don't think so. No, well, we saw a couple from Portugal today, which I'm delighted. Yeah. <laughs> um, absolutely ecstatic over. So that's wonderful. No, no, but Grayson, we were chatting before we started this show. And um, the interesting thing about Canada right now is, is, you know, I've always had a belief that you have to be good to be lucky. And, um, you know, we were never, we weren't lucky at PEI. That tells me we weren't good enough. And, um, but this is a Canadian team that is good enough and they got a bit of luck there. But I will say, you know, you know, for, for young kids, when you pass back to your keeper, um, you never know what the surface is going to be like. There's no excuse for surface here. That wasn't, that wasn't the factor. But when you pass back to the keeper, the keeper still has a million things going through their mind and they're, they're thinking where they're going to play it next and whatnot. Never pass the ball inside the post. If you're going to pass back to your keeper in that situation, play it to his left foot because his left foot then would go outside the post. So if he does miss it, it's going to go out for a corner. It's not going to go in the net. So just something for the young kiddies out there. Do not pass the ball back to your keeper between the two goalposts, and that won't happen. So there you go. Haiti, if you need a, you need a technical director for your, you know, your island, hey. But um, but seriously, there, there's a little tip for the young ones. I think it's good advice for everyone, uh, to be honest. Rec players as well. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the next thing is the Octo. And the thing is, they get right into it in September. Yeah. Three matches in September. Three matches in October, uh, and actually really nice schedule uh, to start in October as well. Honduras home, away to the U.S., and home to El Salvador got through that one with St. Kitts. So an opportunity yeah. to really get on the horse here early and build up some points. And we know that if you look at the eight teams, uh, it's going to be real tough to go into Mexico, although Mexico is not going to have fans for that game against Canada at home. It's still going to be real difficult, but at least that's something in our favor. Um, but the Mexico good to be lucky. Be, yes, good to be lucky. The Mexico no. games are going to be very mm-hmm. difficult. The American games are not going to be easy, but we've shown that we can at least play with them and beat them on our day. And the other teams, Costa Rica, I mean, are 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 a decent side too. But none of the other ones really scare me. What's your guys' confidence level? going into the Octo, do you think that they can be one of the top three or do you think they're fighting for that fourth place in the inter-confederational playoff? Don't go ahead, Jeff. Once. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff, on this one. I'm going to walk on eggshells on this one. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, you know, even though there aren't going to be any home fans for that match in Mexico, the Mexicans are still the heavy, heavy, heavy favorites in that oh, game. Yeah. I mean, Sure. There, there's nowhere you don't play Mexico anywhere in Mexico without Mexico being the heavy, heavy favorite. So, you know, I don't, I don't expect any results against Mexico either in the away leg in, in Mexico or the home leg, wherever it happens to be here. You know, those, those, that, those are six points that you, you can just wave bye-bye to they're, they're gone. So you just strike those six points off. So now at this point you're playing for a possible, uh, Playing for a possible, what is that? Uh, oh, now uh, you have to do math. It's 30 now I'm doing 20. some math. Yeah, basically 14 there times. So what are you looking at? 42. You're playing for a maximum of 42 points. Is that yeah. right? I yeah. think. Yeah, 30 yeah, 36 points. Is what's left. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, 36 is what's left. So, you're playing for possible 36 points. So, um, you know, the, the home game against Honduras, absolute must win. Absolute must win. Honduras yeah. and Jamaica 
are the two teams that we are fighting for for third. Uh, Costa Rica, not the same squad anymore. I don't think Panama is really going to be uh, that much of a threat. And El Salvador, definitely the weakest team in this in this group of eight. Los Ocho. So, uh, Fells, I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. Very good. The Spanish was amazing. We, we defer to you uh, now, JP. What, uh, where's your confidence level? Where do you see Canada fitting in into this group of eight? Yeah, I mean, I'm always, I'm glass half full, always anyhow. So I fancy, I, I really like our team. You know, I mean, I, John Herbin's an inspiration. And, um, you know, we've seen this time and time again. He's an inspiration. He, he's got this, um, he's got this group of leaving right now. Um, and, oh, we just lost Jeff. Um, I think, I think, I think Emma, Emma, yeah, yeah, yeah. Emma has uh, is having an episode with teething, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Good. There so we go. We'll finish off um, with, with the two of us then. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so brilliant. You know, again, I, I think we've got um, right now with this group of players to get them to believe the way they do and play the way they do. I think John Herman certainly in that staff is is here at the right time with the right group of players. That being said, we're, we're, we're in the Ocho now and, and we're playing against, you know, countries that have World Cup experience that know how to manage this event to get to the World Cup. And, and I think that's part of it. This will be, if we're not successful, this is going to be a great learning curve. So we are successful, even regardless of hosting or not hosting for 2026, uh, this will make our country better uh, just being here. But Panama is not a slouch and, and Costa Rica won't be either. I mean, these are... Again, we're, we're talking countries that, that know how to get to and have been in World Cups recently. Um, Honduras, we, we know the nightmare of Honduras and, you know, and what it's like to play there. And so, again, it goes back to these young players that may, not, might not have experienced what it's like in different environments if there's going to be fans. If we go to the likes of, um, you know, Guatemala City, um, San Salvador to play an away match, with with the stadium packed full of fans, well, that's a different environment, and that's something that these players will not have experienced, um, really, you know, it, yet the majority of them. So this is going to be the test for our country. But I'll tell you, it's going to be a moment of growth. So whether we're successful or not, what I can say is this is going to be the period that this is going to be the experience that is going to change our country's fortunes. Um, and if it's not this year, it's going to be 2026. We, we're not going to need the, the free buy-in for 2026. These players will get us there on their own. And this event here, this all chose the reason why we'll do it. So I don't want to make a, a prediction because um, it's too hard for me. You know, do I see us top three at the moment? Um, no, I don't. I have to say, um, do I see us with, with an outside chance to, to take the third spot? Why not? Um, but a lot has to go our way. And, um, and a lot has to depend on the maturity of these players in these environments that will not be friendly. No. And I think that's the part that is really going to be interesting. And, Maybe it puts a little extra pressure on the home matches because you know how difficult away matches are in CONCACAF. It's not easy mm -hmm. to go to Costa Rica and get even a draw. It's not easy to go to Panama City and get a result. Like these are right. very difficult places to play. Um, whether it's, you know, first of all, the sides are decent. They've got good clubs. Uh, but then there's so many other mitigating factors. There's, you know, yeah. fans outside your hotel room at 3 a.m. with fireworks and making prank phone calls to set up fire alarms and, you know, this, that, and the other. Plus, the atmosphere in the stadium is just not very friendly in a lot of these places. 
Um, and it makes getting a result that much more sweeter when you can do it, but it makes it that much more harder. And so I think there's right. going to be a little extra pressure on these home matches um, that haven't been felt before. But when I look at it, we get to play 14 matches against the best teams in this confederation. And how long, exactly. JP, have we been clamoring for more games, more important games against good yeah. competition, particularly in this region? No, that's exactly it. I mean, again, this is this is going to take these young players and it's going to give them that next level now. You know, and this is going to help their maturity and it's going to fast forward their development because there is that mental side of the game that, yes, tech, of course, te uh, technically, uh, physically, Alfonso Davies, real talent. Um, but there's more to it now. You know, and, and now I think these little moments here having to make these these trips down to, again, Guatemala City, or, or Guatemala, not Guatemala City, sorry, uh, and the Honduras, um, yeah. this is going to make Alfonso, you know, a better player. He's going to learn to be able to deal with this. Um, when you go to San Salvador, he's going to learn how to deal with this. So so this is the key. What will be interesting is how Canada Soccer, um, our association, um, arranges these games. So the one thing I would ask from our association is, can we stop being Canadian? Right? Can we stop being the country that is so nice and we're going to take care of you? Come to Canada. Great. You're going to play a home game here. We're going to put you in BC place. Uh, because it's covered. Don't worry about the elements. You know, there'll be no environment to worry about. Nice. But yeah, it's turf, but, but there's no elements. Forget that. Yes, I understand. BMO, um, best stadium in the country. I get it. Right. They're going to have, they be packed. Fantastic environment. I get it. But why? Yeah. Put them in, put them in Newfoundland, you know, let them play there. Right. Like put them in these places. That's yeah. not going to be comfortable that they're not these covered stadiums that are perfect. The dressing rooms, you're going to squeeze. I mean, we used to go to, um, um, uh, where was it? Was it, um, Oh my San Antonio. Oh, I mean, they built this beautiful, right. They built this beautiful stadium and seriously, the, the away dressing room was a closet. Uh, you almost had to sit on each other's laps, you know, just to fit the full team in good to that, you know, Turn the hot water taps off, whatever it takes. But let's stop being Canadian when when other countries come here and play. But we're trying to get to a World Cup. We don't like need to be you, nice anymore. It's not like when you guys went to Spruce Meadows with FC Edmonton. They had a way dressing room there. Oh my goodness, the trailer, you mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I actually, just was kind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When Jeff started talking about, I thought he was going to actually have our Spruce Meadows when he started talking about soccer stadiums. But <laughs> um, I know they're fixing it. So Spruce Meadows people, don't get upset. I know you're fixing it. The grass will be great this year. I know it. Yeah. So thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I think we can get that third spot. And I also Good. don't necessarily believe that the Americans are a lock for second because we've seen them mm -hmm. fall apart at times. Yeah. And um, all it yeah. takes for them seemingly is a couple of a bad match here or just some bad break. I don't know what's what their deal is. Maybe they're a little bit fragile mentally particularly maybe after this last cycle but they'll have something to prove so they'll probably come out hard but i wonder where they yeah. are kind of mentally too because they've been taking some heat uh from some of their supporters and some of the media too uh for not no, qualifying last time around so man you know what I, when we play them grace flood the field make them think yeah. turn it out all over again like flood it <laughs> right yeah the, the only guaranteed location i think if uh, Canada soccer for the, the windows where we have two home matches. So this first one, I think you play them both in the same spot. I know there's a, a right. clamoring to get it yeah. all over. And I think the only other one that's a lock is, is probably Vancouver in January. 
because I don't know where else you could play that game in January aside from no, the easy place. Yeah. Uh, which unfortunately is the home match against the Americans. So you know that right. there'll be a ton of people coming up from Seattle and Portland and the like. So mm-hmm. that's not ideal, but it Makes is sense, what it so. is, I guess. But I mean, I yeah. think that's all you can do. But I mean, I'd love to see a match in Edmonton. I'd love to see a match in Montreal. Um, I don't see why, you know, places like Winnipeg or Ottawa uh, would have an outside chance of, of hosting matches. I, I mentioned Edmonton and Montreal because those are hosts for 2026. And what right. better way to build some, you know, momentum for that than having matches here in Edmonton with yeah. Alfonso and, you know, with uh, Montreal's got some some hometown kids, San Piet for one, guys like that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it would be nice to spread it out a little bit, but I would understand if Canada Soccer said, you know what, Vancouver, Toronto, this is what we're no, doing. I know. I, know. I, I get it, but. Yeah. But yeah. I'll tell you what, I mean, Winnipeg, it's, it's beautiful, number one. Yep. I mean, their stadium is, is gorgeous. Um, yeah you know it's real modern nice. so i could see that ottawa beautiful the facility everything around ottawa what they've done there fantastic i'd love to see uh, and i know they won't because it seats about six thousand, and it's too bad but but let's get a game in halifax like let's get something there because that is that those fans wild. are amazing yes everything about it is fantastic i mean i'm there if there's i've got my second shot on monday so <laughs> if we're in halifax i'm going to halifax i need to watch a game just doesn't matter who they're playing i'm gonna go. yeah i'm gonna take uh cindy and we're going to spend a week in Halifax, but that would be um, the hottest ticket. I think in Canadian soccer would be a, a, a Canada match in Halifax of any be. kind, even a friendly uh, men's yeah. youth, women's doesn't matter. I think it would sell out in about two seconds. Honestly, I think a friendly should be there, men or women, because Canada soccer for me, when you look at what Halifax has done and what they've created there, give them a game. Yeah. Like, you know, reward them for that because uh, yeah, it's tough. It's class. So anyways, uh, that's some discussion about the men. Now when we talk about the women, uh, two draws, uh, nil-nil, both of yeah. them, they played friendlies in Spain against the Czech Republic and Brazil. Um, the one against the Czechs may be a little bit more surprising, seeing as the Czechs are ranked lower. Uh, Brazil, you knew, it was always going to be hard fought, but that's now two matches in a row against Brazil that you haven't scored. Um, right. And now two matches that you haven't scored at all. So the biggest question for Beth Friesman and co a month out from the Olympics, where are the goals going to come from and how do we generate them? Right. Yeah. And listen, I'll say right off the bat. So no one thinks I'm trying to fake this. Um, I didn't, I was just so busy and, and with my work schedule, I wasn't able to watch those, uh, the last couple of games. Yeah. They were morning games too. So that didn't help. Yeah. And I was in a classroom, you know, um, <laughs> teaching grade fours and fives. Yeah, that uh, the best, but mind you, the best elementary school maybe in in this in this uh, province at uh, Little Hole. But anyhow, um, no, you know what? I, so I didn't get, but it is concerning. Uh, I will say. So it's nice not to get beaten by Brazil because I really thought that the first time they played, we were outmatched, and I thought, oh, you know, this this is not a good look. Credit to Bev Priestman because she's made some adjustments and, and she's able to get a draw there. So um, take a positive from it first. But yeah, not scoring goals. But I, I think, again, it comes back to what will be the lineup that's going to get us a result. And, and I think we can all agree that Christine Sinclair should be celebrated way more than she is in this country. Um, yes. And I agree. Someone made a comment on Twitter that when we talk about, you know, oh, and the, the highest goal score in, in history is, is this male player on oh, the top female score. Well, let's stop that in this country because our top score in this country is Christine Sinclair. So yes. let's, let's drop the gender thing there. Or if we're going to do use gender, 
identification, then let's make sure that we address it and say the top male score. Um, you know, is is Dwayne DeRozier? I believe it is anyhow, right, Dwayne? At least for um, now, not for very yeah, much for, longer. Yeah, it's going to be caught. I know it's going <laughs> to be caught for sure. But let, let's make that. So, so yes, we have some Christine Sinclair, and I think that all of us idolize her, and for the right reasons, um, rightfully so. But what is going to be the lineup then that's going to um, have the best chemistry and get us goals and have the best chance of us getting success in the Olympics? And if it's Christine, great. But if it's not, well, let's start working that out right now because I'll tell you at the moment, you know, there, there's not a lot there to look at uh, on the offense. It's like watching FC Edmonton game, isn't it? When, uh, when I was the manager, um, you, you know, <laughs> where are you're the goals? For, how, how often yeah, did I have to ask you that in training, JP? Honestly, yeah, we're praying for a penalty. And even then it's not a lot because I think we had our safe and, yeah. uh, when we had one. But so, um, but that's the question mark at the moment. So I still think there is, and there, there's been, and I think one of the reasons is there has been a real reluctance on Christine Sinclair. There's a not reluctance. There's been a real reliance on Christine Sinclair, you know, through the last decade. And if Christine wasn't scoring, who was? Because of that, we always wanted to give Christine the ball, give Christine the ball. And that makes us very one-dimensional. And then players that were in that environment now still think, let's find that player, let's find that player. Um, we've got different players now. And we've got to find a different way to play. And we've got to find a different way to get other players involved, uh, moving off the ball, if Christine's playing, can she be a decoy? Because most teams now will identify that, listen, that's the target. If Christine's playing, she's the target. Great. Build off of her. Let her be the decoy. Get runners going past her, attacking mids. Let her drop defenders with her. Whatever it takes. But um, it's certainly heading into the Olympics. Um, that is a concern, the fact that we're not uh, getting goals. Because, yeah, I mean, Christine won't be with this team forever. No. So who's the next one? Unless you said, and hopefully – somebody steps up during this tournament because the group is not exactly an easy one. Uh, no. They start with Japan who, while maybe they've taken a bit of a step back, they're still Japan. They're still one yeah. of the best teams in the world. Uh, Chile, fantastic. Yes. Uh, Chile is the second game. You'd like to think that you can bank three right. points there, but I mean, you never know. You've got to put the ball in the net to get three points. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if they can do that. And then Britain, uh, so basically the English squad with, you know, a couple of Scots, maybe, I don't know if they would have any Welsh on that team. I don't, we, we played Wales and we beat them comfortably. So I don't know if that really right. did them any favors, but um, right. so again, and there's a chance that three teams out of the group can go as long as, you know, there's enough points because it's a 12 team tournament, eight go to the quarterfinals, but to get one of the top two spots, you're going to have to beat one of Japan or Great Britain. Um, they've done it before, but yeah. the way they're going in is not exactly inspiring a ton of confidence. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I the, the Olympics, they always seem to step up. So hopefully, yeah. you know, they get into that environment. It'll be a little bit different. Um, the Japanese government has kind of gone back and forth on whether there's going to be fans at the venues and that kind of thing. So we'll right. see if there is much of an atmosphere, but it seems like once they get into that, I don't know, Olympic mentality in their little village. Uh, it seems like they've figured out a way to step up. Um, I'm wondering, question for you, is how much pressure is on Beth Priestman to get something out of this Olympics, or is the leash quite long, you think, for her still? I hope I hope the leash is long, you know, um, what you've just asked there. I hope it's long. Um, she's coming to an environment not – not a lot of lead up until the Olympics for her. I mean, she's really not had that, um, that much amount of time to change um, this team. 
But what I can say is I love, I love what she's attempting to do from day one. I really, I really thought from the moment she took that team over um, and, and their very first tournament, you saw Bev trying to put a bit of a, a different identity on this team than, than the previous uh, manager. So I like that, but it's going to take time. And, you know, again, you can't work miracles. I mean, you, Bev has these players for 14 days, maybe, you know, to work with them. And then they get to a couple of friendlies, whatever, 14 days at a tournament. It's not a full time where you're with these players every day. So, so this is going to be a work in progress. The pieces are there. I think the mentality, how she wants them to play, that, that I think has been evident. So she's done a great job for me already. Bev's done a great job already in, in getting these, these players, these young, these athletes, these, uh, the athletes to buy in to, to what or to how she wants to play the game. So, yeah, I mean, it would be a shame. And I, and I really hope the supporters of our national program recognize that. And if we don't have the same result, if we don't medal at the Olympics, I hope they can recognize, number one, they're a very difficult group. Um, and number two, that the Bev really hasn't had a lot of time to get this team together. And But what I can say is the football now is better than it was um, with her predecessor. Right. Um, for me, Bev feels like a manager who, like you said, is going to be given a long leash. If mm -hmm. To me, it feels like she's the manager that's bridging the gap for post Christine, post Sophie Schmidt, post Desi Scott, that she is going to lead the the new young wave. At least right. it's what it feels like to me with with this hiring. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, um, I guess it would have to something catastrophic would have to happen uh, in you yeah. know World Cup qualifying and that kind of thing uh, for 23. But to me, that's what it feels like, and I hope that she gets the chance and the patience too from not only the CSA but you know, the fans as well, that, you know, we yeah. are going to be entering a transitionary phase sooner rather than later, if we haven't already started to. So. No, I agree, Grayson. I agree. Canada soccer needs to um, be very supportive on this, regardless of result. Uh, they've made their choice on who should lead this team going forward. They need to stick by that. Um, and Chris, or, uh, sorry, Bev needs to go to this event, knowing that she's got the backing of our association, regardless, again, due to timelines. And you're right. This is, this is a time to change. And, and Bev's been given this job that's an unenviable job because she's the one that has to now sit down and tell Christine Sinclair she's no longer part of the plans going forward. Who would want to do that? I mean, this is an icon in, in, in world football. And um, you're the one that has to now sit across from a table and say, okay, thank you for your service to this country. Thank you for being the greatest, uh, one of the, the greatest, you know, Canadian player to date. Um, but it's time to move on. So, or alternatively, yeah. she's got to take, uh, she'll have Christine again across from the table, and Christine will be like, I can't do this anymore, or it's time for me right. to step aside. And then she right. has to turn around and take that message to the team, uh, a team <laughs> right. that has, has either yeah. played with her for many, many years or has grown up idolizing and wanting to be here, which yeah. uh, I, I don't know which one would be harder. Having to tell her that or having to tell the rest of the team, but honestly, yeah. Or having to go back to the team and say, Hey, guess what? I just told uh, Christine Sinclair. Also that too. <laughs> like, my goodness. Yeah. No, listen, great. Um, um, yeah. Full support to, to Bev. I mean, uh, again, I really, I think we should all be very happy with what we see so far um, yeah, in how she's getting the team to play. I'm just looking forward to seeing them back in the Olympics again. 
like I said, they just seem yeah. to just step up in the Olympics, and it's just so fun to watch. So hopefully yeah, no, we no see doubt. that again in Japan. And the first game is on the 21st of July, which, to be fair, I don't know if that was like July 21st in Japan, so that would make it like the 20th year. I don't know. There's, the time zones are just going to be a nightmare for these Olympics, which sucks because I love watching the Olympics. But what can you do? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's about time, JP. We've covered the national teams pretty good. Uh, we're right. going to get Sally on the horn and we're going to figure out a time this upcoming week because you know what start we're recording this on Saturdays because you know what starts in a week from today is the Canadian right. Premier League regular season in Winnipeg. Can you believe that? It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Um, and they're stuck in Winnipeg for a month, which is amazing. Well, they're but... going to be too busy playing because they got two matches a week, so they won't yeah. they won't be hanging out of the forks or anything jp we don't have to worry about that no that, that's a good point <laughs> but uh the plan is we'll get everybody together we'll do a nice uh can pl preview show and then we'll sort up uh we'll set up our weekly time i guess and we'll have a lot to talk about that first month when they're in the bubble nuts sure, yeah so. a lot of signings recently yep. um forge being forge and i mean they are the masters of the salary cap I can tell you that. Well, I won't spoil it. That's going into the next episode. But honestly, I it's amazing yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think I said, you know, my question mark unfortunately how they score goals. Well, yeah, two weeks later, we'll we'll get to it. But I don't I don't think that's going to be a problem anymore. Oh, um, honestly, what a club. What yeah. a club. Anyways, you can find him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Paulus. I am at Grayson Knudsen at the cynical channel one is the handle for the vodcast and search the cynical challenge on youtube spotify and all your favorite podcatchers jp such a nice treat to have you back this week and hopefully uh we get everybody together for a whole episode here next week right very good yeah fun as always grayson thank you all right take care